Welcome to our next podcast. I'm here with Kirsten to discuss the final topic in our series about contingent workforce strategies, total workforce management. We know the format now, so let's kick off. Total talent, total workforce, this is a phrase that appears time and time again as a key trend in workforce models. How does this fit into our series about contingent workers? That's a great question. Um, and again, I think it complements everything that we've discussed in the first two podcasts. Ultimately, contingent workers, we've talked previously around the types of contingent workers, um, and we use that definition to really identify whether someone is employed or self-employed and how we contract and pay them. Um, but ultimately, a contingent worker uh, is part of an organization's workforce. Um, if you look at departments, projects, etc., and the many different reasons that contingent workers are used, organizations should and need to understand their complete workforce. As a CFO, as a CHRO, I would really, really want to know what is the complete workforce which is delivering and running our business. And that workforce is made up of multiple different types of resources. You know, that is your permanent employees and that may well be your fixed term employees. Um, clearly the contingent workers but also, depending on an organization, there may be a reliance on consultants to come in, advise, guide, transform, even operate. Um, so a workforce is not just made up of your permanent employees and those people who are on your payroll. So an organization should try and understand exactly what their complete workforce is and the makeup of that workforce. Um, so I guess the reason why it fits is because contingent workers are a big part of that. If you look at some of these statistics that are out there, like some organizations are varying up to 37% of their workforce being contingent. That's a big percentage. So to not include them is a opportunity that's being missed. Um, so when we say total workforce, really what we're also trying to do is cover every single type of resource coming into the business. Um, and that should be regardless of how they're paid, how they're brought in and what they're doing. So total workforce, total talent. I think to, like total workforce is a better descriptor, um, but it absolutely fits because contingent workers are so critical to that. Great. Thanks for clarifying. So why should an organization consider moving to a total workforce model and approach? Um, I think ultimately because you need a view of the complete workforce. Um, as a HR professional, um, it's a very valuable piece of information to understand how many people you have within your business, what they're doing, and also from even from a pay perspective and pay parity and so forth, what you're paying those individuals. Um, and then if you expand that to your contingent workforce, um, if you've got 20 contingent workers doing exactly the same role as a permanent employee, and then they are there for eight months, nine months, three years, um, then you can't really make true resource workforce planning decisions. Um, you can't plan your headcount in its entirety for the next year. You can't plan the cost of that headcount in its entirety. Um, and you can't therefore think about where you need to shift your strategic attentions for both antenna like, acquisition or HR strategies or even finance strategies and actually transformation strategies. I think as we currently, if we think about a lot of organizations with you know, there's, top, there's trends regarding internal mobility and like retention and all those things. But again, those things in isolation to looking at your complete workforce don't give you the full picture. So it's really important to truly understand 
what you've got, what they're doing, who they are, and therefore how that workforce is enhancing your business and delivering your strategic objectives. Extending our thoughts outside of an organization's internal way of, ways of working, is it just one of the latest trends? Are there any external workforce factors which we should consider as well? Um, I think, again, organizations, and we all do it, we are, you know, we, um, we look internally and we look at what we're doing. Um, and actually, that's why a, a view of the workforce is so important for you as your own organization so that you can plan, you can like, move resources around. As I said, you can budget and so forth. Um, but we've talked previously around the world of work is changing, talent is changing. That's why you potentially need um, new access to talent. Um, but there are maybe four different things which externally may influence what's happening internally for you. Um, one of those, I think, is the most obvious, which is uh, remote working. So, th like, so the number of organizations and people who either want to or don't want to, um, who, or who are working remotely, that in itself is a key factor. So organizations who will maybe based in a location with people in their office five days a week, that location strategy would have could have actually um, inhibited their access to talent because um, someone would need to live within a particular radius to, or want to commute into the location. Now with remote working, and you can in essence do location-less hiring or location-less engagement. So that in itself means your contingent workers or your headcount could be based anywhere as long as you've got the right policies in place. Um, so that's really important because gone are the days whereby you'd, like, you'd be in the same place and that therefore will influence the headcount that you have within the business. Um, supply and demand, I think generally is an issue for some organizations. Um, like there are more opportunities and there are potential talent. Um, and that does change depending on location as well. Um, there are regional differences here, which we can't discount and industry discounts. Um, but if an organization does have a particular need for a skill set um, and then that need is not being met, um, then thinking about your complete workforce is even more important because then you can be more creative. If you really know what you've got within the workforce, you can be more creative about fulfilling that demand by thinking about internal mobility, by thinking about contingent workers or freelancers, et cetera, to fill that gap. Um, so that's really, really important. I think the other one is around multi-generational workforces. This is probably the first time, I think, in my career history that you've got maybe 10, 20, 30 years, potentially, of um, generational differences in workforces, which what that does do is mean that people's wants and needs are different. It means people's skill sets are different and what they can offer an organization and want back, again, is different. So all those things will potentially um, influence an organization bringing um, a worker into the business and that individual staying. So just a, it's an additional complexity of making sure that you, again, can be more creative around getting stuff done. Um, and then I think the final thing, which um, is probably top of a lot of trends if you will at the moment is the move to skills-based hiring so unless you know what skills you have within your workforce then it would be very difficult to move to skills-based hiring um, process and unless you know your complete workforce it would also be very difficult to understand how you're currently getting work done versus how um, how you maybe need to in the future so internally facing it's really really great to understand 
your workforce and the makeup of that workforce and then factored in with external elements um i think all these things just complement each other to say actually this is a potentially really good good thought process and can come with multiple benefits perfect thank you kirsten uh so can you tell us how would an organization move to this way of working um i think it's the cliche people process technology um first of all from a process perspective um one of the benefits also of, of having a complete workforce is maybe having more of a one-way or similar process of engaging talent into a business. During that process, um, ensuring that you're collating data from individuals and then obviously storing and analyzing that data in technology. I think the tech world within HR particularly has changed so much in the last, probably even in the last five years. Um, and what you'll hear from a number of different HR tech providers is, you know, have all of your workforce in one place. That is now possible. If you go back time and time before that, you'd have your HR system, you'd have an applicant tracking system for your permanent recruitment, maybe uh, using a vendor management system for your contingent recruitment and engagement. Um, but ultimately, if you start your process even within your HR systems and you're looking at your total organization, your establishment, what you need as a workforce, and then you then fill those seats, if you will, once you've got the people in place. You then have the benefit of a complete organizational structure which shows you the makeup of people, the, the jobs they're doing, the skills they have, and so forth. So um, it is definitely driven by process tech and data. Um, the final piece, though, actually is people, because working in this way, regardless of whether you have those three things in place, is a real big change for us behaviorally. We are used to saying, I want a person to come and sit in this seat and do this job. We're used to saying, I want, I have a job description. So to move to a different way of working and try and focus on the tasks at hand, the work to be completed, does require time, change and training. Um, and ultimately that's going to have to be infiltrated throughout the whole of an, an organization because managers don't necessarily think in that way at the moment um, and so there would be definitely a requirement to focus on that people change because in some respects the people change extends to the workforce as well because we as this is spoken about time all the time at the moment skills-based hiring but as a person I do this job even me you know this is my job I do this I know what's expected of me day to day that gives comfort and reassurance to move to a skills-based hiring approach and focus on the skills to get work done takes those guardrails away. So we have to find a way of balancing that whilst giving people reassurance purpose and so they know what they're expected to do as well. Um, so it's not an easy thing to do at all. Um, but I think the starting point is really regarding the data in the process because if anything with those things, you get to make more informed decisions um, and then that in itself will set you up for success. Basically, in our first um, episode of this series, we focused on MSP. Uh, we've been on a journey since then and covered a lot of topics. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Maybe we should rename this podcast, not MSP. Maybe rename it Extended Workforce, um, because that's everything we've been speaking about. And if you go back to the first question, I think it was, what's an MSP? Multiple different terms. Really, what we're talking about is engaging, managing the extended workforce of an organization, which will then complement the internal workforce. Um, 
So I think that's probably one thing. I think that is um, is where we should be going. I think we should be thinking in that way um, rather than one person, one job and etc. We can still support risk compliance and so forth. They are critical foundations of everything that we do um, to make sure our friends in tax, legal and employment are happy. Um, I also think the other thing that we've not touched on actually is the worker experience. Um, we've talked about the manager experience, how important that is. But actually with the way of work changing, you know, we all have choice and we all have choice around who we want to work with, what job that we're doing, and so forth. And I think that's something which, regardless of whether you have an MSP or an extended workforce program, it's a really important part. It should be one of your foundations um, because if you've got a happy workforce, then obviously everything's fantastic. Um, but I think sometimes we, um, if you think actually MSP, old school, MSP used to be um, spoken about as if you're buying staples because it's a procurement process. You're buying someone to come into a business. Well, we're not staples, we're people. Um, and I think if you filter in the experience element to any of your process, the ways of working, um, then I think that will also set an organization up for success as well. So um, something that matters. Um, and the, and obviously with that, placing the value on your extended workforce because they are critical to the success of a company. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for sharing your expertise and insights. You're welcome. Thank you. If you're interested in MSP or an extended workforce program, do not hesitate to look out for our next webinar. You will be informed in time for the opening of the registration. You can find all our podcast recordings on our website. In the meantime, don't hesitate to subscribe to our channel or to follow us on our LinkedIn account to get the latest news. If you have any questions or recommendations, feel free to reach out to us via the link in the podcast description. I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining, Kristin. And uh, see you next time. Thanks.